Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. It's so exciting to be up here this morning. I'm really excited to be sharing over the Word, sharing through faith. And I just want to also honour our senior pastors, Pastor Mel and Paul. Uh, They do such an amazing job pastoring our church. And also, I just thank them for giving me this opportunity. And I hope that as they listen to the message during the week, that they don't regret it. (laughs) But here we go. Let's kick in. Uh, We continue our series on faith this morning, and I'm really excited So we're going to start and we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and we're going to jump in and out of the chapter a little bit. So for some of it, you're going to have to accept the TTP, the Tim Taylor paraphrase, Um, and it's also really important that we know that this passage is sometimes called the Hall of Fame of Faith. So let's jump in. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made not out of what was visible. Paul goes on to talk about the faith of Abel, of Enoch, of Noah, and Abraham and Sarah who who birthed a nation and they believed they could birth a nation even though they were well past the age of childbearing. We pick up the story in verse 13 and it says... All these people were still living by faith when they, when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Paul then finishes up the story and he covers, he adds to his hall of fame. He talks about Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. He talks about the Israelites who had faith to cross the Red Sea. He talks about the Israelites who walked around the walls of Jericho and saw them fall in faith. And he talks about Rahab. And he must have been doing a bit of a tag team preach as well, because in verse 32 he says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephah, and about David and Samuel and the prophets. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are doing a great work in our young people. Lord, I pray that we'll be filled with faith, Lord God, and that we'll be added to the Hall of Fame of Faith. Lord, I lift up our senior pastors, Mel and Paul, as they travel in Adelaide. I pray for safe travel over them. And I pray that you'll be speaking through me this morning and that we will be uh, built up in our faith and our understanding of you. So I wonder if you've ever considered the wisdom that can be found in faith. We've already heard a little bit about the relationship between wisdom and faith in this series. And when a few weeks ago, Mel told us the story of the centurion who believed that Jesus could heal his sick servant just by saying the words. The centurion found his wisdom in faith. And as Mel explained, he was able to recognize that whilst he had authority over his men to tell them to do what he asked, and they would do it because if they didn't do it, they could die. Yeah. He recognized that that authority paled in comparison of the authority Jesus had yeah. to talk out disease, to talk out spirits, yeah. and to break the laws of physics. See, in believing that Jesus could, 
could heal his servant, the centurion drew from his own experience the wisdom to see that Jesus had godly authority. And he believed that Jesus could heal his servant. The centurion found wisdom in his faith. So today, we're going to look at this a bit further. And I hope by the end, it'll be clear how we can find a wisdom for our own life in our faith. But first, I just want to share a bit of a win that I've had recently. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I had a personal triumph when Megan, my wife, who did a great job just a moment ago on communion, she actually defended my driving ability. Now, I need to caveat this story by saying that I am actually a safe driver. I am not reckless. However, sometimes I can be righteously assertive, let's say. Um, So this other week... Uh, and, and I used to notice when we first started dating, Megan would hold onto the handlebar and she'd be pumping the imaginary brake in the passenger seat. But a few weeks ago, we're driving up to Sydney and I realised that she must have slowly learnt to not be so cautious around my driving. We were driving up, uh, up the road and we were passing through a country town. We had some passengers in the car and we came in, you know when the speed limit changes when you come into a town, we came down this hill and a passenger who will rename nameless uh, said, Tim, slow down. Didn't you see that the, the, the speed has changed? You need to slow down. And I already had noticed. I was already like within 5Ks of the speed limit. But they were worried because they had built up that they thought that I was a bad driver. But Megan, before I even had a chance to say anything, Megan suddenly says, don't worry. Tim knows what he's doing. He's actually pretty good. And I was gobsmacked. <laughs> nearly, that was probably nearly the most dangerous part of the drive. But... But what I realized was that Megan had developed faith and now she had the wisdom to get through a lifetime of driving with me. <laughs> and I want to encourage us that believing in Jesus is a wise thing to do, not just because he is our Lord and Savior, but because he can, it gives us the wisdom to get through our life yeah. and to navigate everything that the world throws at us. Yeah, and see, I believe that in 2018, this is something that we need to be reminded of. See, when I was trying to work out what I was going to say this morning, I had a moment of self-doubt. I panicked because I knew that there are people in this room who are wiser than me, who know their Bible better than me, are better Christians than me. And I thought, well, who am I to come up and speak? But then I realized out of everyone in this room, nobody has more experience living in 2018 than I do. So that's where I'm going to focus. And what a period is that we live in. Some say that we live in uncertain times. They call it the post-truth era, not because there isn't a truth, but because everybody uh, tries to manipulate the story and there are so many different versions of the truth. We're more politically divided than we've ever been. People always claim to have the truth, but they all disagree. We live in a time where the the future of our planet is questioned and some people say that my future kids will not have a place to live. We live in a period where owning a home is said to be at the very limits of the reach of my generation, a generation that is already dealing with the pressures of social media and the social dissatisfaction that's been coming along with that. We live in a time where there always seems to be a bank crisis looming, where terrorism still influences how we live. The world feels increasingly insecure. And it's in this period that I'm trying to tell you that everything's going to be okay. Well, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, when I look at the world and I feel the worry of the future, I remember that God is in control. When I worry about whether where there is a truth because the media is spinning in all different directions, I remember that we're not post-truth, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
When I worry about the future of the planet, I have faith and I believe that God is the creator and he can control all things. When I worry about the future of myself and my kids, I remember that and I believe that Jesus has a plan that will prosper me and not harm me. When I worry about the housing market, I have faith that he is my provider. When I worry about not being as good as someone on Facebook, I remember that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. By no means am I saying that we shouldn't try and deal with these things. And I'm not saying that you should start burning fossil fuels twice as fast or stop trying to see change happen in this world. What I am saying is that it it takes faith to believe that God is in control. God is still far greater, far more important, and far more powerful than all of these things. Instead of worrying, we need to have the wisdom to surrender ourselves to him in faith, just like the members of the Faith Hall of Fame. Each of these great men and women of God, they held on to what God had told them and they believed no matter what stood in their way. They believed no matter what their age was, no matter that there was a Red Sea in front of them, no matter that the walls of Jericho didn't seem to be going to fall down just by walking around. And they kept believing when they were building a boat in the middle of the desert and hadn't even heard or seen of this thing called rain. See, in verse 13, we find the source and the evidence of their faith and their wisdom. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. These people had enabled, the faith these people had enabled them to have an eternal perspective. Focusing on God, not on their reality. In their faith, they had the wisdom to realize that God's plan is bigger than they are. See, the wisdom in our faith is that we may not always be walking into our promise here on earth in this life. But instead, we are always walking towards the promise of heaven that will come after this life. Our faith allows us to have a kingdom mindset and to focus on the eternal. Because when we have an eternal perspective, the things in the temporal can no longer drag us down. As our hope is secure, our future is guaranteed, and we can find peace. And that is the wisdom in our faith. The wisdom in our faith is that the more we believe and the more we trust God, the more and that he has secured our eternity, the more he blesses our time here on earth. The more we focus on God as the author and perfecter of our faith, the more we can realize that no matter what happens in this life, God is still the most important person for our attention to be fixed on and when we do that he takes care of the rest so So that's all the time I have so I'm going to invite tag out and invite Amanda back up but I hope that uh we could well I know that we're going to be keep being blessed uh thanks Amanda I hope you're going to be blessed awesome so good awesome word there's wisdom in keeping our eyes fixed on God when the stuff around us doesn't look so good and I want to go further into that today I want to talk about the times when our faith does waver, because I don't think that we can talk about faith without talking about doubt. When trusting God is not the default response that is in us, and when we struggle to believe. Because what we do in those times is incredibly important. It is in the struggle that men and women of great faith are born. So since the beginning of creation, we have questioned and we have grappled with God's plans. It started with Adam and Eve, the very first people, 
They let the enemy deceive them into believing that God didn't want the best for them. And that led to them disobeying God, which opened the door to unbelief being a part of the human condition. Thank you very much, Adam and Eve. So as it follows throughout scripture, there is story after story of people questioning God, arguing with him, running away from him, hiding from him, and even physically wrestling with him. And just as they did, so do we. Our faith does not always feel assured. So maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're at a crisis point in your faith where everything that you believe has been shaken to the core. Or maybe you're walking through the uncontrollable, unpredictable circumstances of everyday life and just really struggling to believe that God has a plan for you and he's in that. And the questions and the doubts, they rise up. Is he good? Does he care about me? Is he in control? What are you doing, God? See, we can look at at faith and we can look at doubt and we can think, never the twain shall meet. Faith is down that end of the spectrum and doubt is down that end of the spectrum. If I doubt, then I'm not believing. And the more doubt that I have, the less faith that I have. Or we can throw the spectrum out the window and consider that maybe doubt can in fact be a doorway to faith. See, God has called us to pray and not doubt, to see our our prayers answered. And he has told us that we cannot please him without faith. Yet he knows you and he knows me. And he is fully aware that often we have to walk through doubt to get to faith, which is the place of trusting him despite the doubts that we have. So in Mark chapter 9, Jesus encountered a father whose son was demonized. And the man asked Jesus to heal his son. So let's pick up in verse 20. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus cast out the demon and healed the son. See, the man held belief and unbelief before Jesus and he cried, help me with this. What a powerful act to take doubt in God, to God, and ask for his help. You see, doubt in itself is not the problem, nor does it have to be the stopping point. Doubt is a part of our faith journey, and it's what we do with it that determines where we go. See, we can sit in it, and we can believe it, and we can let it limit God working in our lives. That's a choice that we have. Or we can pretend that those doubts don't exist and and push them away, but they always manage to find their way back. Or we can acknowledge those doubts, take them to God, and wrestle it out. Because the most incredible thing happens in the wrestling ring. God takes our doubts and he uses them to transform our faith. So let's look briefly at Jacob. He's a hero of the faith. Tim mentioned him very briefly. 
But Jacob, with a wavering faith, he wrestled with God, literally. And he was changed because of it. So Jacob knew that God had promised that he would be the father of the nations, as were his ancestors before him, and he would be with, and that God would be with him always. But where the story picks up, Jacob's family is under threat of destruction, and Jacob is doubting whether he would even survive the next day. So let's look at what happens next. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled, and he just dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God's face, and yet my life was spared. At some point in this wrestle, Jacob realized that he was wrestling with God. The wrestle was not about who was stronger. God could have won it in a moment. This wrestle was for Jacob's sake. Have you ever wrestled like Jacob did? I have. Even now, in the middle of the night, when I'm up to my children for the fifth time, I am wrestling with whether God is truly the merciful God that he claims to be. Now that's a joke. But, well, kind of. But... I have doubted and I have wrestled with God many, many times. There was a time in my life that I lived with an identity of brokenness. The hurts and the betrayals that I had experienced were the lens through which I saw everything. There were many things that I doubted about God and about myself in that place and it kept me there. I couldn't believe that God was good. I couldn't believe that he cared for me. I couldn't believe that he could heal my hurts. And I didn't even believe that, he, that I was worthy of, the, of his care. It was a hopeless place. But I knew I couldn't stay in that place. And deep down, there was the smallest part of me that believed that perhaps what I was living was not all there was. So with my doubts, I went to God and I wrestled. Lie by lie, doubt by doubt. This is what I believe, God. This is who you say you are. This is what I see, God. But this is who you say I am. This is what others have done to me, God. But this is what you say you want to do. Back and forth, back and forth. I was wrestling for my life. And I'd love to say that in that process, I knocked those doubts out of the park first time every time. But mostly I wrestled them again and again and again until the, the power of truth had its way. And doubts became belief. So what did Jacob gain in the wrestle? And what do we gain in the wrestle? Three quick points. Very quick. Firstly, God will always reveal himself in the wrestle. When Jacob asked the man his name, he answered, Why do you ask me my name? God was not saying, You don't need to know my name. Or you don't have a right to ask my name. He was saying, Why do you ask my name, Jacob? You know who I am. The wrestle forces us to cling to God. It forces us to take a hold of him. And it reminds us of who he is. 
the outworking of our faith depends on knowing who God is. The second point, God will transform our identity in the wrestle. Jacob went into this wrestle as a man who didn't trust God to bring about the promises that he had spoken. So he had cheated and manipulated his way into blessing. He emerged from the wrestle, a man walking in the fullness of the promises that God had spoken over his life. The outworking of our faith depends on us knowing who we are in God. And thirdly, God will shift your perspective in the wrestle. So 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. Romans 10, 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jacob went in looking at his circumstances, and he came out listening to his promise. Faith requires us to take God's perspective. Invite the band up. God is not standing by looking down on little old doubting you, saying, how can you doubt me? If you would just put that aside, then maybe I could do something for you. Like the father with a sick child who encountered Jesus, he's wanting you to bring your doubts to him and to wrestle it out. The wrestle might stem from our weakness, but it is intended for our growth. It is a profoundly important part of the faith journey. There will be times when the wrestle of faith feels like you are wrestling for your life. Jacob was, I was, and you will too. Why? Because faith brings life. Life is found in relationship with God. It's found in knowing who he is, knowing who we are, and trusting him in the plans that he has for our lives. Doubts and unbelief do not exclude you or I from living a life of great faith or from a deepening relationship with God. Faith chooses to trust God despite our doubts. It's in the wrestle. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.